0: Welcome back to Internet Reports Bi-Weekly Pulse Update. This is a podcast where we keep our finger on the pulse of how the internet's holding up week over week. Uh, last couple of weeks, I've actually been thinking a lot about the analogy of an outage. So in this episode, I'm gonna discuss what that means, why it matters, and explore some of the recent case studies. So let's start with the download. This is where we're gonna quickly summarize my TLDR summary, if you like, of what's been happening, or what you need to know about the internet this week, in two minutes or less. So when I say anatomy an outage, what I really mean is the characteristics of a particular type of an outage. So going back, I'm very old. When I go back in time, I categorize applications being in sitting in two different camps. One being uh, latency orientated, and one being bandwidth orientated, or bandwidth dependent, latency dependent. What I mean by that is the application was dependent on low latency, for example, to be able to, uh, uh, to make it. So think of something like voice. I need a, a low latency to make sure my voice connections works. Where something, and again, very old, if I'm thinking about FTP, I'm really constrained by bandwidth. How big my bandwidth is, is gonna make it come through from there. So if we take that and flip that and look at it from an outage perspective, we can still take those characteristics of the application itself, but we then overlay them on top. So if we think about, like, say, a SaaS outage, this typically impacts all subscribers to that surface. So we're looking at sort of a global impact around from there. Whereas if I look at an ISP outage, is going to impact specific geographies. So I'm taking it from there. Then put the application characteristics on top of that and I can actually really start to see where I'm actually looking for that particular problem. Now, understanding the typical anatomy of a different kind of internet outages is really important because it can really help you recognize the type of incident you're actually looking at, where you need to go, what steps you need to take to sort of mitigate that, to to work around it as you were, or to make sure it doesn't happen, doesn't impact you as a service. In recent weeks, we've seen a number of outages that serve as helpful case studies and examples of these various types of uh, uh, outage anatomies. Obviously, we can't cover all of them, so we're gonna pick a few out from here. So we've seen some security-related instances. Uh, So Western Digital and Works outages, actually these are normally characterized by users being unable or denied access to the service. So they actually can get to the service, but due to some sort of security concern or some certificate issue, they actually can't go any further around from there. So next we have a single point of aggregation issue. In this case, talking about a SpaceX outage. So outages like these are normally characterised by wide scale disruption, with services reachable across a network, but typically unresponsive. And it's down to a single point where things aggregate into that area there. So it could be in a load balancer, could be part of that service delivery chain, where we start to have that, that issue across from there. And finally, I want to talk about last mile challenges. So this is one where we had sort of Vodafone UK outage, Outages like these are normally characterized by a localized impact. So in other words, it's typically restricted by local geography. So I'm actually just local to my particular area around from there. And now let's dive in and explore what happens in each of these outages, but first let's take a look at the overall outage numbers and trends this week. As always, we've included chapter links in the description box below, so you can skip ahead to the sections that you're most interested into. And as always, we'd love to hit like and subscribe, and email us at any time at internetreportatthousandise.com. We always welcome your feedback, questions, criticism, and general advice. And to discuss all of this, I'd like to welcome Brian Tobier. Brian, it's great to have you back, mate.
1: Thanks, Mike. Glad to be back on.
0: All right, my favorite part of the podcast. Let's take a look at these numbers. So the last two weeks, we've seen these numbers sort of stabilise a bit. Uh, initially, we saw a slight drop where we saw a drop from 242 to 235. It's a 3% decrease when compared to uh, April 3rd to 9th. This was followed by a really slight rise with global outages uh, nudging up from 235 to 239, a 2% increase compared to the previous week. So if I just look at that overall between that two-week period, it was really only like a 1% decrease, so very, very uh, stable. This pattern was uh, reflected in the US as the outages dipped slightly, dropping from 105 to, to 100, which is a 5% decrease compared to April 3rd to 9, And again, smaller by a very small rise, uh, where we went from 100 to 109, which is a 4% increase. A couple of really interesting things here is, is that the US-centric outages accounted for 44% of the observed outages. Now, this is larger than we saw in the previous period, where it was actually only 39% from there. And this is also significant because this is the first time in 2023 the US-centric outages have accounted for more than 40% of all observed outages, whereas last year we were starting to go the other way. So by this time last year, we started to drop below 40%. So it'd be interesting to see how that comes across there. But in relative terms, it's been a quiet period over these last two weeks. I said we've sort of stabilised around from, from, from those numbers. It's quite a, a flat. And of course, outages happen. We're still looking at sort of reasonable numbers from there. But Brian, why do you think these appear to have not had such a big impact on the users?
1: Yeah, great question. I think we need to look at the numbers a little more. Uh, If we look at the actual timing of some of the events, uh, I think we can see them late at night or something like on the hour where we're seeing maintenance windows happening. So I think it can be a little bit different based on when the outage is occurring. You can see potentially who it's affecting late at night, maybe not as many users or again, the maintenance periods where you have those kind of uh, repeated actions. So I think maybe that's some of the trend that we're seeing.
0: That's, that's very good, yeah. And it's actually that sort of goes into that anatomy of an outage, we're talking about these outages there. So anatomy of a maintenance or an engineering or schedule scheduled type of work is it occurs outside of business hours and, and I think you're right. I think that's what we're seeing here. Now let's discuss the outages in the past couple of weeks as we go under the hood. First, let's take a look at a couple of security-related instances. Now, as I stated, in broad terms, a security-related outage is one where the users denied access to a system due to a security concern. In the first case, Western Digital, uh, who are computer-drive, data storage and uh, and cloud storage service provider, took some of their My Cloud Storage services offline. When users tried to authenticate the services, they were unable to. Often experiencing HTTP 503, so service unavailable. Uh, Western Digital noted that they'd identified the security incident and actually take, took the step to take My Cloud services offline as a precaution while they investigated what's going on. So while in that case the service itself was taken offline, in security related outages like these, some companies may instead choose to leave their services online and just shut off public access to it. Uh, and this is what we saw happen with Works. So Works were a full service HR and payroll company. Uh, what SD, Works did was they shut off public access to its systems following what they described as an anonymous traffic detection. Uh, so they saw some anonymous traffic, they said, this looks iffy. So in this case, they appear to preventively isolate their systems and servers to mitigate any further um, uh, situation impacted by making their systems inaccessible. So Brian, uh, do you want to take us through the example of what we observed?
1: Yeah, I'd be happy to. All right. So for those who are on audio only on the podcast, we're currently looking at a share link within the Thousand Eyes platform, but we'll narrate through it so you won't miss out. What we're looking at here is a share link for the outers that Mike was just describing, and this one's pretty interesting. So, again, instead of shutting the actual services off, they chose to shut the network off so that any users are trying to get into the application, just from the network side, your connection would fail. So you can see here we have a bunch of our cloud agents which were trying to connect to that application, and they were getting 100% packet loss. So essentially, being cut off from that service. If I move to the path visualization, we actually see this hop by hop. So all of our agents are over to the left, and then as you see along the path, the red dots are where basically the connection stops, which is right before they hit the actual application. So you can see here everything up to that application was perfectly fine. And then if I hover over, you can see that actually was where the 100% packet loss started. Uh, so it's a really interesting view because a lot of times you'll see right, an application goes down. You don't actually see the provider uh, being cut off right before the application. So this was a, a pretty good uh, you know, indication of, of what they were doing, as mentioned, you know, cutting the network access to prevent any any usage the application while they troubleshooted,
0: it. And so, so, so that's a forwarding loss, Brian. So what they're saying is we actually yeah. don't have any path going into there. Yeah, gotcha.
1: Exactly, yeah. And the interesting part, so to, to go on the, the path piece, if I go over to our BGP view, we can actually see how they did this. So if I scroll down a little bit, we're now looking at a view of the different advertised paths through BGP for the application and, and who they were advertising out to. So we have our route monitors on the left. And if we hover over any of them here, we can actually see, and if I go to view uh, details of path change, we can actually see where they withdraw that route. So as as you were just mentioning, Mike, we can see the history, you know, currently before this happened, all users had a, a valid path. And then when we get to the time of the outage, we actually have that route being withdrawn, which essentially means uh, you know, entry taken out of the phone book. They don't know how to get to that actual application. They don't know how to traverse the end of that network and they can't make the connection there. So this is a really interesting way of being able to view what they actually did from a service provider perspective. So when they right. saw, you know, they had the out- the outage occurring, they were then able to-, to withdraw that route and that's what caused the outage that we saw.
0: So that's good. And that's very clear. We can sort of see there. We see they take down there. And, it, and it's a pragmatic way to do it. We've got there. Let's take us offline and we can see what's going on there. Very good. Yeah. Now, SpaceX's Starlink also experienced a security-related outage, but the anatomy of this incident was quite different from that of Western Digital and works. Catrix is what I like to call a single point of aggregation issue. So I might be stretching security-related a bit a bit here, but I'll get onto that in a minute. But it amounted to the same thing with access being denied. So if we take that sort of anatomy there, access denied caused by some sort of security-related issue or security concern. And I say we'll get to that in a minute there. But the root cause in this case was, it was caused by an expired security certificate um, at, a, at a particular ground station. So this represents a single point of, of failure. This led to hours of downtime for Starlink's global customer base. So this is an example of another common type of outage that we often see, where there's a single point of aggregation issue. So this occurrence it was actually down to something related to the security itself, i.e. a, a certificate. Uh, in other cases, it may be something within a load balancer, but again, it's a single point of aggregation that causes the application itself to, to, to fail across there. So just for clarification here, Brian, what is the importance and I suppose the relevance of the security certificate?
1: Yeah, so a certificate basically allows you to verify your communication and that who you're communicating with is who they actually say they are. So it's just a way of checking their identity and making sure both sides agree that, yes, that is the who I'm talking to and that's when I should be exchanging my private data.
0: Got it, got it. So this is basically, it's that just authenticating who I am, so far we're actually going to share that. So, exactly. so it's, it's, it's a very small part of the service, if you want to say that. It was one actual yeah. element around from there. But again, what this highlights, I think, is that criticality of that service delivery chain. I called it an aggregation uh, uh, point or aggregation related issue because it's where everything comes into one area there. But it just shows you how we can sort of bring a whole service delivery chain down and by, by the smallest cog uh, failing to function.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think if you look at automation platforms, sometimes when you forget about, like you mentioned, the little things, you know, you have the infrastructure automated or you have the application side. But if you forget about something like a security certificate, if you don't have that enrolled uh, in something like automatic renewal, yeah, that, that the little pieces can kind of bring it all crumbling down, unfortunately.
0: So that's a good point you bring up there about this sort of sort of validating. So, so if you can actually check these are going on there, so check expiry dates or check their values all the time you could actually almost bring that into an automation process there. So, okay, this one's renewed and then we have some sort of policy verification and then we issue a new certificate or we we, we do it across there at that time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. There is. So, I mean, you can run a certificate authority, which would allow you to do that. So kind of keep track of all those certs so they're not going out of place. So I think that's a really important thing to have, especially when the infrastructure is that critical. Uh, You know, I think it's really important to have that as well as the monitoring. So like you just mentioned, being able to understand when it's expiring and if, if it expires, how do I know if that's the problem, right? Can I check? Yeah. On that layer, you know, within the test or within my network uh, visibility, can I check to make sure is it the network, is it a security cert- certificate like it was in this case? So I think that's important as well.
0: Yeah, it's it's, it's a not you, it's me type of situation exactly. going on there. But <laughs> <laughs> but again, another important point is I want to to, to harp on this. But but coming back to that monitoring, you just just identified I, I, I glibly threw out there aggregation point, but yeah. you need to have visibility across that complete chain to understand. All right, what is my aggregation point? And that Absolutely. could be something done in advance yeah i've got do you know what this is this is where i do my my, my verification at this point or this is where i'm going to a low balancer all my traffic comes into this point uh, from there and yeah identify where it is up front yeah all right so finally uh we also observed an outage that impacted part of a customer base in a single telco so this is a vodafone in the vodafone uk so the anatomy of this outage suggested the problem was in the last mile between the customer's premises and a traffic handoff point essentially there so As typically for these types of last mile outages, the impact was restricted to this local area. Uh, In this case, it was quite a big area, quite a big subscriber base around from there. But what it means is you don't see disruption in that transit path. So where we've talked about in the past where we've had these uh, outages occurring because uh, um, uh, a transit provider sort of dropped a link and it's it's a main one or through a main uh, point from there, this is really just impacting this sort of local area. So rather than hitting a, a single specific service, I say. So basically I'm sitting here I can't get any services whatsoever. So it could be my my, my local Wi-Fi, um, or it could be in this, as it was in this case, my, my ISP. where I just don't have that sort of connectivity from there. So a couple of points on that, Brian, is that um, as as a consumer of a broadband service, I always have a, an SLA. Um, this was out for, for several hours there, but but is this breach? This, would this type of thing breach that SLA uh, that, that occurred there? Do you think?
1: Yeah, and I think it's it's important to understand, you know, what that SLA is and be able to prove where the, the problem actually was. So so yes, it absolutely could have, you know, but to your point, I, I need to understand, is it with that ISP? Is it something local within, you know, like a cable cut, um, you know, along a line on a physical path? Or is it, you know, a, a local provider outage in that area? So I think it's it's definitely important yeah. to understand and be able to, to give some evidence, because uh, I think that's really key when you're having discussion with them. But yeah, it definitely can affect the SLA.
0: Yeah, it's interesting, and you make a couple of points. Obviously, you know, back to our, 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 the visibility to understand where it is problem across from there, but also to understand what your SLA is. I mean, uh, and if you if you consider an SLA, as an SLA will probably be based around the actual, um, not the service you're getting. So, not can I get to Facebook, yep. but but more, do I have network connectivity around from there? And it's an important to understand sort of the hours that are occurring there, um, you know, and, and sort of understand what it is. Uh, Because ultimately what I want to do is to work around this. I want that service because that's critical to me being able to use. Especially as we're living in this sort of hybrid work environment where everybody's sort of, you know, we're working remotely, we're working from anywhere around from there. So if your service is disrupted, obviously it's always good to get service credits back. But really what I really want out of that is my service working. You know, I don't want the disruption of having it uh, out for a period of time because that's essentially, you know, that's my business, that's me unable to work. I know where mine goes down. You know, I'm actually rushing out into the shed. Uh, it's normally my local power. I'm rushing out to the shed to buy the to get my batteries to get my generator going. Um, and, and as much as I love a service credit back, what I really want is my service to be operating. So if I identify it, it's on my local Wi-Fi, therefore I can actually just yeah you know, I can head uh, in there. Or it's on my 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 local ISP. What other things can I do? Do I have a hotspot? So so what other workarounds that sort of can be activated do you think?
1: Yeah, good point. I mean, I think a hotspots a great one, you know, a dual ISP path if, if you have that ability. I think, yeah, it's definitely a redundancy plan and having a backup I think is definitely key as you mentioned, as we rely more and more on the services, uh, that that's really important.
0: Yeah, I like that dual ISP one, but obviously that then comes into the consumers uh, and sort of the, the, the size you your consumer, you know, sort of me sitting yeah. at home here don't particularly want to want, want, want pass, but I need that connectivity exactly so hopefully these case studies have been helpful in illustrating the value and understanding of unique characteristics of different kinds of outages. so you can quickly recognize the type of illness you're dealing with take the right steps to mitigate its impact or decide what you can do to work around it we've also created a handy cheat sheet that summarized the common warning signs and several types of outages uh, that will provide a link for you in the uh, description box below so definitely check that out please so once again, Brian, absolute pleasure. I love your radio voice, mate. And uh, uh, always great to have you on the podcast.
1: Oh, thanks, Mike. Definitely
0: happy to be on. So that's our show. Please hit like, subscribe. And as I said, follow us on Twitter at Thousand Eyes. And any questions, feedbacks, or guests you'd like to see, just send us a uh, email at internetreport at thousandeyes.com. So until next time, goodbye.